Uh, what's going on, guys? Welcome to uh, Rocket X Society. This is call number four. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. I hope you guys had an amazing Christmas with your family. Um, I know you guys are probably all kind of dragging butt a little bit this week. Obviously, that week between Christmas and New Year's is uh, obviously one of those ones where we want to push hard, but you know our employees are a little bit dragging. So I uh, hope you guys are able to get back into the mix a little bit and get going. Um, I wanted to come on today, and um, we want to discuss a little bit about um, – Shoot, I'm just spa I'm spacing on it. Uh, what was sorry, Mike? The, the call. So obviously, the, the call that I want to talk about a little bit is, is lean management. And anybody in here understand what lean management is? Anybody that's on this call? So obviously, lean management is is making sure that we're able to run our business as as lean as possible uh, to be able to run it with as little amount of people and still be able to be productive, still be able to provide five star service, still be able to get everything done that we need to do uh, within the organization. And that's what this call is about. So, you know, one of the big things that I that I that I do, and, and I come into companies, and I'm actually going through it right this minute. So, yesterday, I get a I got a call from a client of mine, and can you hear me, Mike? Everything's good. Not only do you look good, but you also smell good. I can smell you on this. You look great. Sound great. It's awesome. Great. So, you know, I was, you know, I had a client of mine and he comes to me yesterday and, and he can't he can't make a payment on on something that he was doing. And I said, OK, well, what's going on? Really? Like, let's, let's let's start talking about your business. And this is kind of where the idea came from in, in, in for this call and, and why I'm bringing it up, because it's vitally important, because I'm guaranteeing you that 99 percent of you guys are going through the same issues as this guy, but don't even know it. Right. And and one of the things is, first, on, first off, identifying there's a problem admitting there's a problem and then figuring out a way to fix the problem, right? And what I'm talking about here is, is is he's overpaying for everything. He's spending on a bunch of stuff. He didn't even realize how much he's spending. And then he doesn't really understand his business and how much money he's bringing in. And it all came to a head all at the same time, right? And I bet you guys are all kind of feeling the same pinch at the moment, right? When you got a mild winter, you know, you got a mild summer, then you got a mild winter and you're starting to feel the pinch. And, and this is, this comes down to, Understanding the business, understanding the cash flow, and understanding what you need, what your needs are. So, he comes to me and he's like, "Hey, I, you know, I can't make the bills." I said, "Okay, well, let's first off, you know, and I challenge you guys to figure this out and this number out. And by the time you get off this call, this will be the first thing you need to figure out because if you're operating your business without knowing this, then you're going to be having a hard time with your business because you're never going to be, you're never going to have a good target. You're never going to know where you're at. So, the first thing I I suggest is figuring out what it costs to operate your business, right? everything and take every little thing overhead right so like if i like the, how much it costs to turn the lights on how much it costs for computers for service tight or house call whatever those expenses are what are your fixed monthly costs every freaking month and i want you to take a spreadsheet and i want you to put it on a spreadsheet every single thing don't hide anything don't bullshit anything because this number is the true number it costs to operate your business right and one of the things that i want to do with that list is start going through and figuring out is this helping me get where I want to go or is it hurting me? Okay. And when I talk to him, I'm talking to this guy and he's got, and I, I won't, I won't say any names, but he's, he's driving. He's got a, he's got a $1,400 a month truck payment for him to drive his kid to school and to drive to his office. Okay. So that's one of the things he had going on. Uh, he was paying his SEO company $10,000 a month for SEO. Who the fuck pays $10,000 a month for SEO, especially on a business that's sub $3 million a year. Uh, on top of that, he was paying three different coaching companies, not me, which, kind of messed up but i've been i've been helping trying to help this guy he's paying three different coaching companies and i kind of going through all these line items he's got five trucks sitting in his parking lot that have been sitting there for six months and they're not producing any revenue right so we start going through these things and we're like dude yeah he had a ninety five thousand dollar a month overhead right 
and he wasn't getting anywhere near that kind of production. Uh, when I go look at his books, he had lost over a million dollars in profit and in, in money this year. So he owed his vendors money. He owed you know all, all these things that are going on within the business. And I'm like, dude, what do you got going on? What what is this, right? And what happens is that we just keep going through the status quo, we go keep going through the motions, but we're not really focusing on this. So one of the challenges I'm going to have for everybody in here is really go through every single line item, what you're paying in your business, and we figure out, do we keep it or do we lose it, right? And one of the hard parts is, is saying it's shutting stuff off, right? So I told him yesterday, I said, look, if you don't go shut this off, I can't help you. I said, go, go fire your SEO company immediately, go do this, 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 and this, and cut all these freaking things, right? So within within three hours, we cut, uh, it was, it was $19,500 a month in overhead. So $19,500 $19, per month, right? So nineteen five times 12, we just saved you almost a quarter million dollars this year, right? So quarter million dollars is a significant amount of money. And this is a quarter million dollars of waste that it wasn't, that it wouldn't take for him to actually run his business. His business would run exactly the same as it is now without any of this stuff. Okay, so this is what we're talking about, about running lean, right? And so this is, this is usually one of the first things I want to do when I come into a business. I want to figure out what it costs to operate it and how can we figure out a way to operate it for less? And I, and I, and I would bet that almost every single one of you guys is having this issue. Right. So is anybody, anybody have any questions on this so far? Uh, so you guys can speak up. Um, chat. I keep saying, damn, but I bet you, Eddie, you're doing the same thing. Right. And what happens is that a lot of us, right. We see everything in, and I've been there and, I, and I've been in the same situation, right. We see all, all the fancy shit that everybody else has. Right. Well, they hired this coach. I want to hire that coach. I, oh, they got these fancy trucks. I want a fancy fucking truck, but you're not really listening to what your business is actually telling you. Your business is telling you, stop, fucking red flag, hello, we're losing money, right? But then what we're doing is most of the time, we start we start going into debt, right? Debt equals death in your business. So you have to really think about it that way. So when I go in and I start realizing, okay, well, we owe, you owe vendors money, you owe the SBA money, you owe all these people money, and you keep going negative, negative, negative. And I talk to him and I look at I start going through his P&Ls and he hasn't made a penny all year. He's only lost money every single month, right? And it's what happens, we have this facade of a fake, a, fake, a fake lifestyle, right? We have this lifestyle that we have to live up to. And I've been there, right? I've been through the same thing. I went through the same thing with my business. Well, this is the fastest way to get to go out of business, right? And so first thing you want to do is figure out what it's going to cost to run the business. Then I would challenge you guys, and, and and my staff used to make fun of me and used to give me shit because every single day I would make them send me my my org chart every day. Why do I send it every day? Why do I want to look at it every day? Eddie, did we need to reschedule? Oh my god, freaking Jack! Um, and don't ask those kind of questions here, Jack, while I'm talking. Thank you. Um, sorry, he's one of my employees, and so um, threw me off. Anyways. As we're talking about this stuff and, and I'm going through and they're like, well, why do you send your org chart every single day, right? Well, because every single day I need to decide, can I operate my business with these people or do I need, or can I operate it with less, right? And, and I would challenge you guys as a second challenge for this week, right, is go through your entire org chart. And then I would like you to challenge your employees to write down exactly what they do every day. What do you do A to Z? Like, I want to know your daily, your daily task. What are you doing every single day? I just want to know, right? And they're going to write these things down. And what I need you to do as the owner and operator, right, is go through and assess what every single employee is doing. And is there any overlaps, right? So one of the biggest loss in business is going to be overlaps, waste, right? Wasting, you know, same people doing, two people doing the same job. 
right? And someone else is raising their hand on that one too, right? So we want to figure out, okay, what's everybody doing? And then we really have to think, okay, can I operate? Do I, do I need all these people or could I operate with less, right? So I'll tell you a secret. Rich people brag about how little amount of people, how, how, they little, how, how little, how much they're getting done with the least amount of people. Poor people, poor businesses, right? They talk about how many people they have. I got 100 employees. I don't give a shit. I can do what your 100 employees can do with 60, right? And that needs to be your guys' mindset. But what happens is our egos, right? Our egos get in our way, right? And our own, and then we we start thinking we need all this stuff. We see the Jones has got this. We need this, right? I needed a, you know, I had a one of my clients, and I saw him post online that they're looking for a general manager. I'm like, dude, you don't even do five million a year. What the fuck do you need a general manager for, right? And when, with all due respect, you don't need a general manager until after ten million. Period. And if you have one before ten million, I guarantee you're losing money, and I guarantee you're not you're not being as efficient as you possibly can. So, has anybody have any questions on this so far? Does this, make, does this make any sense why I'm asking daily what the what the uh, what or what my org chart looks like? It's definitely making sense. Vic, I would say I would say that this is definitely something that we we continue to operate as possible as lean as possible with what we do now, um, and we really kind of focus on the people that we bring in are are filling certain roles to hit the goals that we want to hit, and if it's not a revenue producing role then they have to be vital in some other fashion that makes sense for our client experience or for our vision moving forward into like the next step, which, is, which sometimes it's, it's a lot, but <clears throat> everything he's saying, guys, well, he's already done. It. Yeah. And I, I've been there and I've been, I made the same mistakes, right? Like, you know, I, I, I don't want to learn from somebody that's never made a mistake. Right. So when I'm looking at it, when I'm looking at these businesses and, and I'm like, okay, I'm talking, having this conversation, this, dude, this stuff I've been through, man, I had to fight it. Like even to today, it's very difficult. Right. I want to, operate with less like you know when someone said oh I'm, I'm busy i would just hire another person rather than actually figuring out what they're what they were doing and how we can streamline that right so when we're when we're talking about running a business we want to figure out operationally how can we run it with less people right or maybe we have two people doing one job and we're about to go hire somebody for another role where we already have a talented person hold on one second you open the door Thank you. Sorry, no one's freaking answering the damn door. Um, so what we're going through, we might already have a talented person, but they're also being wasted away. So a lot of your employees actually want more tasks to do. You think they want less, but what they really want is direction and they want to be able to get more stuff done in a day. So you'd be surprised if you have two people doing the one job, but if you cut it down and you really streamline it, you narrowed it down to what their job duties are every day, I would guarantee that guy is going to be far, that guy or girl is going to be far more productive and you'll be able to move that other person either into a new position, right? So it's not always just, hey, let's fire them and get rid of them. It could be like, hey, let's, let's move them into a different role where they're going to be more, they're going to be better at that job or we're going to be able to, we're going to be able to improve their life, right? So I would challenge you guys to go through your org chart, uh, org chart as quickly or as soon as you possibly can. Since we're on the topic of lean, let's see here. If I'm not, if I'm the best comfort advisor, at what point do I get out of the van? So this is going to come down to, do you really want to grow or do you just say you want to grow? Okay. And this is going to come down to, to real leadership on your end and understanding. So right now, if I'm the best, if I'm the best sales guy, right? So sometimes, right? Like I'm not going to take fucking, I'm not going to take Michael Jordan and go make him a coach, Right. I'm just not like that might be the best role for you in your business, right? Because I, I have one of my business partners in Utah 
you know, they're, they're over $10 million a year. They're doing over, they're doing a 30% net. Well, he's running a lot of the calls, right? Because he found that that's what he's best at, that he's, he's, he's Michael Jordan at running sales calls. Well, he's not going to take Michael Jordan. You're not going to take Michael Jordan and put him on the bench. So if you are the best guy until you can find that guy, then I, I would continue to do that. Right. But you also got to make sure and realize what you're, what are you good at? What are, what are your roles? What do you want to do? And, you know, we can help you, Derek, obviously become an operator if that's what you want to do. But you have to really challenge yourself. Am I willing to give up that role? And am I willing to actually train and allow somebody to fail? Because the biggest thing you're doing right now is you're not allowing someone else to fail because you're too, because you're holding on to that role. Well, maybe you have somebody, he just needs a little bit more practice. He needs a couple more, couple more turns. And you need to start nurturing on him, getting to ride with you, getting ready that, to nurture that guy to get where you want to go. And you're going to have to be okay with taking a step back to take a step forward, if that makes sense. Like you can't, you can't just keep doing if you're if, Like if your business is really being handcuffed by that, because the other thing you have to run into is that you're never, ever, ever, ever going to get a real good sales guy to come work for you if you're running all the calls. If you're running the sales calls and he's running sales calls and you're selling and he's not, what do you think is going through his head? Dude, the boss is taking all the best calls. I just get the scraps. I get the leftovers. Right. So you're never going to be able to hire any talent because they're going to say, OK, well, it's, it's, a, it's, an, it's a rigged game. Why would I want to come play a rigged game? I want to go to a company where the owner is not, you know, you know, it's like a P. Diddy, right? Where the owner, he's not all up in the videos and shit. You know what I mean? Like you want to make sure that you guys, <laughs> you guys want to make sure that you guys, you guys give those guys opportunity, but you're also not taking opportunity in a way. Now, if you, if like, you know, all of a sudden you bring a guy in and he's closing at 30% and you are closing at 60, you don't have the right guy or you don't have the right training or the right process in place. So, you know, for the blueprint members and stuff, like do these processes work? It all comes down to, do you trust, do you trust me? Because I'm telling you, if you trust me and you run these processes, they will work. But how are you holding these guys accountable? Uh, and we'll circle back again to the to the, the, the guy I talked to yesterday, right? He ran, his staff ran 180 service calls in November. They had an average ticket of $69 and only five of those, five of those 180 calls turned into replacement. Okay. So is that a, is that an employee problem or is that a management problem? Uh, in my opinion, it's a management and training problem because there's no fucking way on the planet earth would I let anybody run 180 calls and convert that low, right? Because if you're running that many calls, there's, there's just, you would have to, I would literally can walk into 180 calls and say, have you thought about replacing your air conditioner? And I would sell more than five. So there's obviously, there's a, there's a, there's a management and training issue on that side. So you really have to understand where, where your, where your strength and weaknesses are. Uh, Derek, I, you got to get out of the field sooner rather than later. The faster you can do it, the faster you can focus on the other things. And, and me and you can have some offline conversations with that. But you got all the talent in the world, but you're you're going to handcuff anybody that comes in there because no one's going to be as good as you. No one's going to care about your company as good as you. But now if I can get a, if I if you're closing at 60 percent and I can get two guys that close at 45 and I can bring the volume up, are you going to make you're going to make more money that way than if it's just you running selling 60 percent, but you're handcuffed for how many you can run. I would much rather have a team of three, two, three, four, five guys selling at 45 percent or 40% that have one, one guy, which is myself handcuffing myself and running at 60%. But I can tell you right now, if you're running the sales calls, you bring another sales guy in, it's never going to work because if, if I came into your business and you take the best calls and I get the scraps, I won't work there. I'll go find someone else that's going to let me get the, let me get the top calls first. Uh, so that would be my challenge to you is, is realize, are you willing to do it? Ask yourself, you have to really talk to yourself internally and ask yourself, am I willing to give up a little bit of control? to be able to get my business where it needs to go. So that, that would be my challenge to you on that one. 
any other questions so far, guys? I just want to chime in and say, can you like, talk not... about. Sorry, that thing can you, you mentioned. Talk in... Can you talk about? Go ahead, dude. I'm reading one. I'm reading one of the comments. So it's like, can you talk about hire slow, fire fast? How do you recognize the line between good hire and a bad hire? I don't know who. To... I don't hire slow, fire fast. I I I found that it's hiring is hiring is finding out, and firing is knowing. And one of the biggest mistakes that, you know, you guys are, you're not, most of you guys aren't to the sides where you can like really pick and choose and, and decipher through these people. I almost say, bring them on, try them out, then fucking cut them. Because, you know, if you're chilling, you're just sitting there waiting forever for the right guy, you might miss the opportunity because you scrubbed the guy, you, know, you scrub the guy out too much. Uh, so I, I, I live the opposite way until you get to scale where you can really be picky and choosy of who you bring in. You know, you got to, you hiring is finding out and firing is knowing. So bring them in, figure out if they're worth a the shit. If they're not worth a shit, get rid of them. Just don't give them calls anymore. You don't have to fire them. Just say, weed them out. Say, you know, that guy has no more calls and he'll fire himself. So you don't have to worry about unemployment stuff. So uh, I think if when you're smaller, it's, it's, it's not, it's not higher, slow, fire, fast. It, it's, it's the opposite. It's higher, 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 fast, fire, fast. So it's, it's actually both. So if they're not the right person, get rid of them. But I, I don't think that you guys should really – most of you guys are so scared to bring on employees or find anybody, but sometimes you got to bring them in and try them out. And and if you don't try them out, you're just going to keep sitting there stuck in the mud forever. So that, that would be my two cents on that one. Uh, but, yes, once you get to scale and you already got a staff and you got all the stuff and you got all the stuff in place and recruiters and people that can spend the time to do that, then do that. But right now you got to get asses and seats to be able to push money and push revenue. Um, but obviously, you could put them through a vetting process. But I mean, if they're qualified, they seem decent, they got decent communication skills, they're willing to learn. You know, my, my biggest question would be, hey, I know you've been doing it this way forever, or would you, are you open to learning a new process? And if the answer is no, they know everything, then don't hire that guy. Okay. Any other questions so far, guys? So perfect. So, you know, as we're talking about lean management, obviously we want to go through, we got to figure out what, we got to figure out our overhead. We got to figure out where we can cut things right now. Like you should always be trying to figure out ways to cut costs. Right. And you guys should know all the costs. Right. And a lot of times we're, we're flying so fast or, or so, so blind that we don't actually even know what all of our costs are. You know, I, I had one point where, because I scaled a, you know, I had scaled over 120 employees. Well, I bought all these iPhones and iPads. Well, when I scaled back 60 employees, my staff didn't turn off all those fucking iPads and iPhones. So I was paying every month on that Verizon bill, right? So that kind of stuff can eat you, eat your payroll alive. I still had people that were still on my insurance that were that weren't uh, that didn't even work for me. I had people that, you know, just all these crazy things that were still happening because they didn't have the right checks and balances in place. And that's why it's important to do them early and figure them out early. So like I grew so fast that it was like, holy shit, I didn't realize what I did until it was so late. Uh, so really start auditing like all your stuff. So like a lot of guys, when they, they're building their guys or girls, right? I'm not trying to say there's a, there's are some girl owners in here, but a lot of people like they just pay the bill every month and they don't question the bill. You know, I would, I would really, if it's not you, cause I'm not a detail oriented person, you got to find someone that questions everything. What is this bill? Why is it so much? Why is it, you know, why are we paying this much? What is this? What's going on here? And that would be my, my challenge also to you is to really audit everything you're paying for. Because you might be on service site and you're paying for 10 technicians, you only got five. You might be on Verizon and you're paying for 10 phones, you only got five, you're only using five phones. Things like that will add up very quickly. 
And those are the things that's where we get like a death of a million cuts is, is going that route. So, you know, there should always be someone in your business that's questioning everything and trying to figure out how to cut costs. Sometimes it's not us as, as the owners, because if we're entrepreneurs, we, we like to spend, we like to gamble. Sometimes you need the the wise one to, to listen to you. Cause like my problem is I had a bunch of yes people around me. And when you're surrounded by yes, people, what are your, your, your mind gets to take control. Your, your say goes over everything. When in reality, I wish I had a bunch of no people. And then we had, I had, to, I had to sell them on things and the opposite where they were just like, whatever Victor said, we did it rather than listening to it. What cost? Um, you don't want to be like, Hey, you know, I'm, I, you know, I had a client earlier and he's like, yeah, we, we cut off all of our marketing. We wanted to save money. Okay, so cutting off your marketing to save money is is kind of it's kind of kind of counterintuitive, right? Now, now let's say I get my daughter spying on me. <laughs> anyway, so now now if we're saying like um, oh shit, I've lost where I at. My freaking daughter was popping through windows through the screen. Um, what was what was the question one more time? Sorry about that. Where the cost should be cut. So yeah, marketing, marketing is going to be one of those costs that you don't want to, you don't want to cut, but you want to measure, right? Um, that's one of those things you want to, you want to really, you really want to watch, but you got to be quick. You got to be quick to pull the trigger on marketing as well. Uh, similar, like I said, the guy that I was talking to earlier, he, his, his marketing company every month is like, well, you know what, the data is this and that and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, he's like, dude, the calls aren't there. They're not happening. I'm spending $10,000 a month on SEO. And he just kept listening to his marketing company, pumping around, pumping around. But the, the numbers were saying, dude, cut this. It ain't working. That's one of those things that, you know, you got you to gotta cut if it's not working. You got to measure it. I always give marketing 90 days. After 90 days, if it doesn't hit my minimum, I have to have a minimum 5x return on any marketing or I won't keep it. Ideally, you want to be closer to like 7, 7 or 8. Uh, but anything below 5x, it gets cut after 90 days. And you can't, you can't produce enough ROI after, after 90 days, and then I have to let you go. Uh, I do, I do believe in trying marketing, like new things. Like I just got off the phone with a guy who's killing it on YouTube ads. So like, I'm, I'm looking right now to start running some YouTube ads and try them out because I want to try something out and see if it works. I'll measure it and then cancel it if it doesn't work. But a lot of you guys don't, you know, you guys hire marketing companies, you start doing stuff. And instead of like monitoring and tracking it, you just kept letting it bleed you out until you're like, you're, you're five, six, seven, eight months down the road and you realize you just got bled out by this marketing company and didn't produce anything. So, uh, but those are one of the things that I wouldn't, I wouldn't cut. Like if I'm trying to cut costs would be marketing unless it's not producing. If it's below 5X return, then cut it. But if it's still hitting at least 5X return, you could still keep going with it. Maybe you don't put as much ad spend towards that, but you guys really need to be tracking your marketing to know what is and what isn't working. Um, and sometimes you're like, even on service side, those numbers aren't right. Um, I have a company that I use called Searchlight. Uh, Searchlight will give me a true accurate depiction of where every single lead came from. It'll let me know if it was a Facebook or wherever, wherever it originated in on the, on, on, on the internet, it will tell me exactly where it came from. So there's no question that it come from this and it come from that. No, it came from here. I can guarantee you this is where the pixels are tracked through. Uh, so if you guys aren't using Searchlight, you guys are probably not really tracking your marketing that well because I can tell you your service Titan thing is probably lying to you. Uh, let's see. I saw some question in the chat. Who would your first five hires as a brand new company? Um, fuck. I mean, the first. Oh my god. Uh, so the first thing I would hire would be probably a, a, a COO. To be honest, I would find someone that's going to help me integrate what I needed. 
and that like almost like well, no, like not maybe a COO, but like a um, an executive assistant, someone that's just going to do what I tell them to do. Go make you know, go hire people, go put ads out, go do stuff like that. So I'll probably start with an executive assistant, uh, and then we we can't operate without sales. Okay, so I don't give a fuck what what industry you're in, what kind of business you run. If you can't sell anything, you're not going to win. So I find sales guy. I find a sales guy, and then I would and then I would for sure find some installers. I need somebody who can install some shit, and then I'd probably find a guy that can fix anything. So you know, executive assistant, so they can handle, they can answer my phone calls, they can do all that stuff in the beginning. Uh, then I would I would have a I'd find me a sales guy. You know, I don't even care if you got to find a good guy and give him equity. So many guys that want to hold 100 percent of your equity, you're fucking dumb. Most of you guys have 100 percent of a pile of shit. And rather, I would rather have give up a little bit of equity to get the get me a killer. Uh, I would go get me some installers because I'm not going to install the stuff. And then I would then I would get me some I'd get me a, a fix it all technician uh, to start. And then I would really start advertising replacement ads first because that's the quickest way to get gross profit dollars. Uh, and then once you get the gross profit dollars in, then you start building out your service department. So I would I would lead with uh, replacement to to install first, and then and then go get me a service department and build it that way. Uh, that would be my first five, uh, Eddie. How many installers should we have per technician? Uh, so I'm guessing you have you have selling technicians. Um, I would probably say one install crew for every three selling techs. Um, maybe stretch it to four, um, depending obviously depending on how many sell. But I think one install crew per three three technicians would probably suffice. So I would imagine you know most of those depending on how many calls they run per day. So uh, if you have three technicians running three calls a day, you know, probably half of those. So that's three times that's nine. Half of those are probably not going to be of opportunity age. That brings you 4.5 calls a day that are opportunity age. 25% of those are going to turn into replacement. Uh, so that's, you know, that's going to be about one install a day with three techs. So I, I would probably be at one install group for three techs, three to four techs. Uh, but I mean, obviously in the summertime, it's going to ramp up a little bit, right? If those guys are running more calls, already pumping companies get bloated. How can they stay lean? Um, let's see where to, how do plumbing companies get bloated? Um, normally the plumbing companies getting bloated are going to be on the service tech side. Um, and I know it sounds crazy, but you know they get they hire a bunch of plumbers just to be able to run a bunch of faucet and go hump toilets all day. Um, just be really mindful of what makes you money in plumbing. And I would rather have you know one line than fucking ten sheep. And a lot of times, you know, plumbers they go and take they try to take every single call when they start out when you really can't. Um, you know, I'd be really good if I was a plumbing company only. I'd be really good at scrubbing calls and figuring out what makes sense for me to go out to. Like I'm not going out there to change change some freaking faucets out. I'm just not on an estimate. Now, now if it's a drain call, right? Like that's that's my opportunity call. Those are money calls. You know, maybe a water heater. We make money on water heaters. Figure that out, right? Uh, but you got to really figure out what makes you money. And then the other way that they get bloated is they they give too much hourly to plumbers. Um, if my I want to fight, I want to figure out a plumber that's motivated by by making money or by by having commission. Um, but yeah, I think that's the most plumbing companies get bloated by a bunch of high hourly technicians that are going around doing drain cleaning calls all day and they're paying them $30, $40 an hour. And those guys are coming back with no money. That's where most plumbers mess up. And, they, and then they obviously, when you go change out faucets or whatever it is, there's too many trips. You're going to make it one, two, three trips on a call and you're just bleeding out. So 
Uh, I would figure out with one, the plumbing side is figuring out what your money making what your money making situation is, like what what makes you the most money. And I would really only run those calls, and I'd have enough people based on that amount of those many those type of calls that come in. Now, keep in mind you got to have you can't just turn down everybody. Uh, but I would find someone that can you know someone that's decent enough that's not too high paid to run a lot of the nuisance calls you don't want to run. And then I would go to the calls that I really wanted to run. Uh, I think one of the biggest failures of businesses is running trying to run everything. And not not realizing what your money maker is, and and really narrowly focusing on your money maker. Like I wouldn't have a plumbing company; I have a drain company. And then eventually, after I get enough clients, I'll start having a plumbing company. But I would also be very focused on what makes me money, and I wouldn't do anything that doesn't make me money. Do you ever forward your garbage calls to competition? Yes, uh, I do. Like in the summertime, or when I'm busy, man, and I got nuisance calls, like shit, that they all be going to next gen. Like, I'm like, hey, dude, they got a, I got a one year old broken unit that's not in install. That ain't going to me. So I will speed dial, baby. Here, here's the number, right? But I, I am gonna, uh, I am gonna scrub my calls, right? If you guys are Blueprint members, we have our, our call scrubbing list, and it tells you what calls you do want to go to, and which ones you don't want to go to. You guys are laughing, but I'm telling you, I really did send them to next gen. Um, but anyways, that's that's not here or there. But anyways, so like you got to really understand who your ideal customer are, and, and not every customer is going to be your ideal your ideal customer. And that would be my that'd be something I would I'd be really focused on. That the call center right is where you make the most amount of money. So your your money is made in the call center, and most of you guys don't even focus on it. You guys have some freaking guy in in, in the Philippines answering your damn phone calls, and they take four minutes to answer, like. How do you do all this and keep your five-star service as a company? You know, I book on how to start a home company with a thousand, and I could start with 10. Um, can, you break down how, can you break down how to give equity to employees and how do you choose to do that? So, um, it really depends, right? So like imagine if you're you're a tiny little company, you got freaking you're doing two, three million dollars a year and you want to go get a heavy hitter, right? Do you think he's really gonna kinda of want to come work at your company? Why the fuck would I why would I leave my business that's uh, making a bunch of money out? I got benefits, I got all these things. Why would I leave there to come help you build your business? So I found that A players will have are usually leaders and they'll usually get people to follow them. So, you know, give an example of the summit air conditioning in, in Vegas, right? That company had been around for 10 years. They were a, uh, they were primarily doing swamp coolers or commercial work. They weren't really doing much residential little bit, you know, obviously in the summertime, like anybody else, but they were, most of their business was staying busy off of, off of uh, commercial. Uh, I come in and I said, well, we're not, we're not doing that. We're not doing commercial. We're not doing swamp cooler. We're not doing the shit anymore. So the first hire I had to make, and because that business was more mostly a fix-it business, it wasn't really a replacement-driven business. First hire I had to find was someone that can sell some shit, right? Well, I find some guys. I found a guy that can sell eight million dollars a year, but you know I don't have eight million dollars a year for him to sell right now, right? But how do I get him over there? And the conversation I had was like, "Hey, look, it ain't shit now, but I I need someone like you. I need an A player. I'll give you some equity in this business. I gave him a little bit up front, and then I had an opportunity to earn additional." Uh, so I got to give him a little bit, a little bite of the carrot to get him over. Once the guy over there put the carrot, well, now I got a sales guy. And if I got sales guys, then I can go spend money on marketing. Most of you guys go spend money on marketing, but you have nobody to convert the fucking calls. So there's no point. You're just going to, the, 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 some businesses like the one I was talking about yesterday, 
you can spend more money and actually goes negative money, right? It actually gets worse because you know you're now you're just now you're adding you're adding fuel to the fire, but there's it's it's a freaking it's a it's a mess, right? So uh, for me, I I want to get the sales guys first because if I got the sales guys, then I can spend the money on marketing. Some of you guys are spending money on marketing. You can't figure out why it's not working, but you don't even have a process dialed in. And you don't have anybody there to convert those calls. So the more money you spend, the worse it's going to get, not the not better. So, um, and then obviously when you invested in, you you got to put parameters in place, like what your expectations are with those employees and where they're going to go. But if some of you guys have hundred percent of your business. Do you like, I would give 5% away to get me a fucking eight player sales guy. That's in no grind for me. And then if he goes and tries to leave, right. You take that equity right back from him. So, you know, that these are, these are things that you could call, it's called golden handcuffs. They've been doing it in white collar businesses forever. Uh, but that's how you get eight players on your team. That's how I do it in every market that we go into. I'm about to do it in Dallas. I'm about to do it in, in Cincinnati. I'm about to do it over in these other the other branches. It's just, it's you have you have to be willing to give up a little bit to get what you want. And and it's unfair to think that people are going to come slave for you and work their ass off for you and go build your business for you. But you don't want to give up any skin in the game. That's how you're going to stay small forever. So, and or you know even like. You know, some of these guys I talked to and I, and I, you know, they have a hundred percent of their business. And I said, I want to come partner with you. Well, they won't give up 40% of their business. I'm like, okay, well, I won't, I, I, I'm not going to spend my time, my energy, my effort, my, and do all this work. And I don't get a big piece of the pie. Well, why would I do that? I'm not going to come build your business for you. So, you know, like, you know, some of these businesses, like, you know, they want to, they would rather have a hundred percent of a piece of shit than, than a 50% or 60% of a golden goose. And I just don't, I don't operate like that. I'm trying to figure out how do I condense time and how do I get there as fast as I possibly can. And you'll see that the, the richest, most successful people don't do it alone. Uh, you know, any bit, I don't have a single business that I own that I own hundred percent of. I don't, not a single one of them. Every one of them has partners, everybody else, everybody involved has equity. Everybody has an incentive. Everybody gets to grow. Uh, but that's why my businesses grow. And a lot of these other ones don't is because they're so, they're so scarcity mindset that they would rather hoard all the shit to themselves rather than to share with everybody else. Um, let's see here. How do you do all this? Man, I know we can, we can talk about this offline, but I don't think I have access to rocket X society. course. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We'll get you access. We'll get you access. Mike, we'll get you access to that. Um, obviously if you don't have access to the blueprint courses, those are completely different. The rocket X society is just these calls that we're on. Um, how do you do all of this and keep your five-star service as a company? Right. Um, and, and then, yeah, you know, all of this obviously is kind of having the right people with the right vision, the right core values. Um, raise your hand in here. If you do not have core values in your business, like you don't have written core values. Uh, anybody in here that doesn't. I don't have any. So Brian, my, my challenge to you is to, to really understand what, how to obviously how to write core values. And it doesn't matter if you're electrical service or what you are, you need to have core values in your business. I don't care if you're a basket weaving company, there should be core values of what you operate on because everything you do and everything you teach should lean back towards those core values. Because at the end of the day, you know, you, you're, when you have core values, right, you don't have to single somebody out and you say, Hey, Brad, you know, part of our core values is accountability. And I'm just trying to figure out why, why you weren't able to, why, why you can't, you know, you know, you have, you have, you signed off when you got here that you were going to live up to our accountability core value. And at this moment, you're not, you're not taking accountability for your actions. And, and that's why we're in, we're in this position where we're at, where we're going to have to let you go. Right. I'm going to hire and fire and train and do all these things based off my core values. Right. Hey, you know, one of our core values is teamwork. And I'm just trying to figure out, Mike, 
why you and Brad are fighting every day because we're supposed to be working as a team. You agreed when you signed on here that you're going to, you're going to follow our core values. And one of them is teamwork. And we're having a hard time seeing you seeing hard, hard time right now with you not being able to be a good teammate, good teammate and being a good teammate leads back to this, this, and this. So we do everything we coach it onto our core values. Um, what's the average equity percentage you would give to a good sales guy? Um, and Brian, if you want, we do have some videos on how to create core values within your business and the blueprint. Um, if you like, reach out to Mike, we can get you set up and you can see those videos on how to, how to build core values. And obviously every business is different. Don't just use some corny core, uh, in those videos, they'll teach you how we, how we curate our core values, how we, how we position them. And then obviously how we present them to our staff. Uh, those videos are in there as well. Uh, what's the average equity percentage you'd give to a good sales guy? It really depends. I want to give them as little as possible, right? Like ideally, like we want to hold on to as much equity as we can and still make that person happy. Uh, you know, the guys I have in Vegas, I gave, I gave two of them uh, a good percentage. Like I think I gave them 2.5% up front each, and then they have an opportunity to earn another 2.5%. Um, but these are heavy hitter sales guys. These guys are selling 8 million plus a year. Uh, and obviously if you look at the numbers in the business, it was worth every fucking penny because not only did they come, but they recruited people, they recruited installers, they recruited turning technician, they recruited everybody. And those guys went and built the business for us. So, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, if someone can build my business for me, I'd give, I'd give up 10% all fucking day. Like in Cincinnati, I'm going to be giving up whatever it takes to get the guys I need. Cause I live in California, right? I'm not going to go, I'm, I'm not, I ain't going to live in Cincinnati. I never will. Uh, so I need people that are willing to work for me, and I and I would expect if they're going to come work for me that they would get paid. How much does the blueprint cost, and is it a one-time fee, not annually? It, it's a it's an annual fee, uh, Derek, because it does include one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, a bunch of other uh, other stuff. Um, but you know, if you want, we can talk offline on that. We do offer payment plans on it, but it's worth every penny, uh, especially the new blueprint we just rolled out. Uh, the audio broke up. I didn't catch your answer. You're you going to write a book on how to start a home service company with 50,000. Uh, I didn't plan on writing one. Uh, I could write one if you wanted to. Uh, if you want me to, Mike, Mike, can you go ahead and chat GPT how to, how to start a 50K business? I'm just kidding. To be honest, I could take the transcripts from all the social media stuff we've done since the beginning of Absolute because we started with, with way less than 50K. Yes, I mean, I started absolutely with, with 10,000 bucks. I mean, we can obviously go through and talk about all those things. Is performance pay details in Blueprint for plumbing, selling tax, and apprentices? Uh, yeah, we, we do have that in there. Um, obviously, each pay plan should be communicated with an HR specialist in your market. And, and this is not to cover my own ass, but to cover your ass. I can give you a pay plan in California. It might not be acceptable where you're at. I can give you a pay, pay plan in Dallas. Well, it's probably not acceptable in California. Uh, so every pay plan, you have to figure out your state local laws, and then you have to really build the plan around it. But you also got to build it a way to incentivize people. Um, and there, there's a lot of different ways to do it. Like, you know, in California, we have to pay hour, pretty much we have to pay hourly. Like, there's ways around it. But one of the ways that we figured out around it was, hey, guess what? If you get this job, this job is we're, we're allocating, you know, eight hours to this job. If you get it done in four, I'm still paying you for eight hours. So I found that my staff would magically get that job done in, in four hours rather than eight. Uh, stuff like that that you can really work around the beat around the bush, you know, because a lot of times in California, the hourly suckers, right? They you know, they want to, you know, all of a sudden that job that should have been done in a day becomes two days, and that's where you start losing your money. And, and next week I'll do it. I'm going to show you guys exactly how I go to my staff and how do I pitch them about getting the job done on time. Uh, I'll have Michelle on here helping me with, with that one as well. 
Uh, but there's a great thing you guys can, there's a, we might have the video in the blueprint. I'm not sure, but I'll look at it, but I'll, I'll do a presentation with you and we can go over that as well. Um, performance pay plan. Yes, there are performance pay plans inside the blueprint. Uh, if you guys can't find it, reach out. Um, I could also jump on a call with you and, and show you myself. Thank you. Oh, they're in the blueprint. With every penny. Ashley, the yeah, they're in the, they're in the blueprint. They're also, um, they're also in a webinars. We, we have, we hosted like separate webinars for those types of roles too. So, yeah, so we do have a bunch of those payment plans. All that stuff is in the blueprint, but like I said, make sure you run yourself as well. So why does lean management matter? Okay. And this is why I'm going to, this is where I'm going to end on in the next 15 minutes. I'm going to kind of cover this and, and why it's important. Right. Uh, so what are we trying to win? We're trying to win the battle, right? We're trying to win the battle of, of our competition. How do we stay, how do we stay with a five-star company? How do we stay lean so we, we can stay competitive? So one of our competitive advantages in Vegas is we, obviously we have an equipment, like when you partner with me or your equipment costs go down, that's just part of the deal. But, but on top of that, we stay very freaking lean. Just so you guys know, we're going to finish at 13, I think 13.5 to 14 million. I don't know where we're going to end in Vegas, somewhere around there in the next couple of days. We had a pretty, pretty big sales day today, but we run that entire business with six people in the whole office. Okay. And, and I think the, I think uh, Joe has been out there. People have been out there. We have an owner, we have an install manager. Uh, we have a dispatcher, we have a call center rep. And then we have two people that are managing our, uh, our we have a warehouse guy and, they have two, and we have a person that manages our social media ads. So we have six total people that run the entire business. And I think seven with the owner. Okay. So, this is a 14, about a $14 million business that's run the whole business with about six people, maybe seven at the most in the office during the busiest time of year. Okay. And this is why we, we stay lean because guess what? When we're lean, we could transfer that off into our employees. Right. And what do I mean by that? So let me get the whiteboard here for you guys to see. Sorry, my, like I said, I have internet issues. Otherwise I'd be on my laptop. I'm on my phone right now. I don't know if you guys can see this or not. I'll try to try my best. So, so imagine I got a I got a a ninety five thousand dollar overhead, right? And let's say there's divided by twenty four working days in the month. Okay, I don't have a calculator on me. Let me figure out my calculations real quick. So I got ninety five thousand dollars divided by twenty four days in the month. So I have a four thousand nine hundred or three thousand. $958 overhead every single day, okay? That means I have to hit a gross profit every single day of, of $3,958, okay? So if I sell if I sell one job at $10,000 and it's a four and it's a let's say it's a 45% 45% GP, that means it's four $4,500 from I hit it, right? I make money that day. Right. But if I, if I sell another, if I only sell one, but if I only, that means I, that day I'm going to make 4,500 minus that. So that's uh, four, $440. Let's say $440 is all I'm going to make that day. Right. So that means I got to get everything perfect. I have to sell a job every single day. I have to get it installed. They can't carry into two days. It has to be done in that day to make that much money. Well, now that job, that same job takes two days. That job now that grows that gross profit per day goes from forty five hundred, right, forty five hundred down to uh, two thousand two fifty. That means that I I'll end up losing almost two thousand dollars a day, right? So I have to get this gross profit dollar every single day, three thousand nine hundred fifty eight dollars a day. It's very difficult. Well, let's take that same business 
And I said, I cut, I cut $19,500 in overhead that day, right? So I cut $19,500 in overhead. So we went from 95,000 minus 19,500. So let's go, went down to 75,500, okay? Divided by the same 24 days, by 24 days, now we're down to 3,100, 3,145. So now we significantly went up. Now we went about $700. So instead of making $440 that day, we went and made $1,140. Obviously, I don't know the math. I'm not doing the math perfectly right now. But so I went from making less than $500 that day, but now I'm going to make $1,100 a day, right? And we multiply that. We do the same job every single day, right? So $700 extra, $700 extra times those days, 24 Boom, I just made an extra, you know, $17,000 that month, $17,000 positive by cutting this overhead. This overhead was doing nothing for me, not jack shit, right? That, that $19,500, I literally cut it and my, my business is going to operate the same way. So this is why it's important to stay lean because I have to be able to, I got to get this daily overhead as low as I possibly can because the lower my daily overhead is, the more net, the, the less, the, then the gross profit I need to do to hit break even is less. Well, now... Guess what? I can if I I can make the same amount of money that I was already making, but I can be less expensive. I can go down to like eight thousand dollars for the same job, and my gross profit's still enough there to hit my overhead. So I can still make the same amount of money even though I'm leaner. That means I'm going to be far more competitive, right? I can be more competitive on and I can do more jobs, right? So these are things that matter, and that's like oh, well, it's only it's only ten grand in a month. Dude, that 10 grand makes your life a lot easier. It changes, it changes the dynamic of the entire business. So that's why lean is it's important. And you have to really question every little part of that business. Well, what if you have an employee that's making $60,000 a year? Well, that's not fully burdened either. By the time you add all that up and they got they have your your by the time it's fully burdened, it's more like ninety thousand dollars a year with benefits, with the uh with uh, uh payroll payroll tax and all this other stuff. You're really paying not that same sixty thousand dollar employee, you're really paying ninety thousand dollars a year for. And that adds up really quick. So I would much rather have that $90,000 in my pocket. And that's how I look at, you know, and obviously these are your people, right? This is why it's important to be smart before you hire people because you don't want to hire them because you have, and then you have to fire them later. And that's a mistake that I made is I brought these people on. Then I finally realized I'm like, holy shit, I'm not going to keep burning this money. Now I had to let them go. Now I feel like shit where you had to really plan and every single person that you add, your business should be max capacity, then add max capacity, then add. But if you guys are just adding before you're at max capacity, you're just adding to add, that's when it starts adding up. And that's when it starts draining your bank account. If that makes sense. But this is why, why I, like I stress so much about staying lean. It just makes everything much easier, but like, you know, everything from staying out of debt, right? All these those debt payments, those credit card, car payments, you know, cars are sitting around. Do you have a contact that, to be able to write an equity contract? I do. Um, before you do that, please get on a call with me and I want to make sure you got the right person uh, before you do anything. I don't, I don't, I'm not suggesting just go fucking give away equity people, but like we got to really, uh, yeah, I'm here for me. I'll jump on a call with these people. We'll really vet them and I can help you with a contract. I have a contract attorney that can, you know, really make this to where you're, you're protected on that end too. Cause you want to make sure you're protected as well. So, you know, I understand you guys are like, oh, I want to give us an equity. Let's, let's wait. Don't, don't give them a number amount. Let's talk beforehand and figure out what their worth is and, and what, if they make sense for what you want to do. But you also got to make sure these people you're bringing in are part, you're going to be part of the culture. 
part of that contract is going to be writing in that they're going to be a positive leader in the business. If they're negative, they got to go, right? You're going to lose your equity. You're not positive. You're not doing the right things. You're not, you're not doing the things that are helping the business grow. Uh, you know, I had to have, I've had to have a conversation. I've had to have multiple conversations with some equity holders, right? Talking about certain things. And it's like, dude, you can't do that or you're going to lose your equity, right? So these are things that we want to make sure they're written in the contract. That's going to help protect you and the business going forward. Like what happens if they do leave, right? And something does go wrong. Well, they need to be under NDA anyways. And they need to make sure that if they go leave, they start bashing you, that you have a right to go after them as well. So there's things that you need to put in place to protect yourself. Because more and more than likely, these people are going to know the ins and outs of your business. They're going to know everything, the good, bad, and the ugly. And you got to make sure sometimes you got to protect, you know, you got to protect the cross, right? You got to protect your business and make sure that they, that you're, you're protected. Even if they, they know the good, bad, and ugly, if they, God forbid, they do leave, that they're not able to hurt you in any way. So um, that's one. We could talk about this offline between me and you and make sure it makes sense. Does Blueprint have NDAs? Uh, no, you can get them, a simple NDA at rocketlawyer.com. NDAs are pretty straightforward. They're not, NDAs aren't really that complicated to make. Uh, but no, I mean, I can put an NDA, a basic NDA in there if you like, but you know, they're, they're pretty straightforward. Just go like Rocket Lawyer or whatever and get one done. And Mike, you can get, you can show them where to go in that or what? Never mind. <laughs> Look at Mike right now. It looks great. Do we have any additional questions, guys? I hope, like, obviously, I know we went through a lot of information in, in a short period of time. Um, but if you guys have any questions, I'll just open this up for the last couple of minutes. Do you run plumbing with sales guys and installers, text to repair, or do you use selling text? You, you got to use what you have, right? So ideally, we want to get we want to get installers, right? Because no matter what, you can hump like you're if you're if you're sell if your salesman are stuck installing the selling and installing, you'll never be able to scale, right? You got to be able to make sure your price is priced right to be able to have an install. One guy sell it and the install crew come in and install it behind them so that your guy can keep going, right? Because what happens, a lot of plumbing companies, they don't have enough people and they get bottlenecked. They get backed up for a week. Now we lost a week of revenue because we can't even go to new calls because we're so tied up on the other ones. Uh, and I had a good conversation with a client today about, you know, getting those installers and making sure that, you know, obviously they're like, well, I don't know if I'll be able to keep them busy. I found that I, if I once I hired installers, I always found a way to get them working. Uh, so I, I wouldn't be too fearful of that, but you just got to make sure your price right to be able to have install and, and a sales rep. Do you use the same sales tech to do a small repair since he's there? Uh, yeah. So if my, if I have a selling tech and he's, if I have a selling technician and he goes there and he sells anything, he needs to do that repair. Um, now keep in mind, if it's like, Hey, I got to order this part and come back. Um, that's when I usually allow them to either split the commission or give up some of their commission or, you know, my, sometimes my sales tech will say, fuck it, give the commission to the other tech. He'll come in and put the parts in and he'll move on to the next thing because the selling tech is going to be smart enough to know that the money is in the big tickets, not in the little stuff and going back and forth won't make you money. Uh, but I do give them the opportunity, uh, to either, you know, say, Hey, look, I sold this $2,000 repair. Do you want the commission on it? Here, you go get the parts, you go install it. Off topic, I had an opportunity to get an office 30 miles away in a good area for dirt cheap. Would it make sense to start a new Google My Business there, or should I just market that area and don't get and don't get the office? Uh, it really depends on the the cost of the office. Uh, Google's really cracking down, especially with Google LSA on multiple locations. Uh, but they're also, um, Derek, me and you could jump on a call about that because you know they, they, it is good to have multiple GMBs, um, but it's really it's, it's a cost relative a relative. Uh, and it has to make sense. 300 a month, I'd pay 300 a month for that, for sure. Okay, that's that's a simple one. 300 bucks a month, 
I would do that to have a separate GMB uh, set up to start showing uh, and start building my SEO out there. Uh, but I'd love to talk to you about how to build that SEO and what to do with it. But yeah, if you want, I can send you, I'll, I'll DM you a link on social media. We can jump on a, on a 30 minute call. Should I train my CSR or hire someone with experience? Um, if you can find someone with an experience, I would suggest finding them um, because, you know, if someone's been doing it for a long time, this job is not an easy job and it's hard to recognize good calls. It's like, it takes, you know, it takes, to, there is a, there is a ramp up period to go from knowing nothing to knowing, knowing what you need to know. Uh, but I, I would suggest if you could find someone that's really, that's good, that's done it before. Now, if they're working at some crusty old company that's got like two employees and they're like, I've been doing it for 20 years and they smell like they've been smoking fucking cigarettes all day. That's probably not the one. But now if you found a good, a talented one that's been working at one of the big reputable companies and they're willing to come over and work for you, I, I would pull the trigger on that. I would just be weary about uh, what you can really afford. So really understand your numbers first. Um, you know, and I know like that's one of the things that we talk with my customers, like, hey, before you hire people, talk to me. We got to run the numbers and make sure it's going to make sense financially. Um, but yeah, if I can find it, if I can find someone that knows what they're doing and they're already pre-trained, they're good. I would take that all day over trying to train somebody because you're going to lose more money trying to train them. Now, once you get that talented person, then we can start building the guppies underneath them, right? We can, we can get the, the people underneath them to help and have them help train and make that part of their, of their, their assignment and their job is to help train and bring in new people. That would be a good thing. Uh, but you know, just starting someone from scratch is going to be very difficult for them to pick it up. It just got to be call centers. You got to be the right person, man. It's just, you got to have, there's just, there's just certain type of people that are better good and some people that aren't, but what are some examples for an ad to promote the need and benefit of changing their furnace ahead of winter? It's called a tune-up. Go run a tune-up and get them interested in buying a new furnace. The, the, the lowest hanging fruit right now before it gets cold is going to be a, running a tune-up offer and getting in the door before winter because on the tune-up, you can put them on the market and take them off the market. Estimates, obviously, you know, tune-ups allow you more time to go through each call and really, you know, dissect the system, pull it apart, show them the issues. Uh, but the simple answer is run run a low-cost tune-up ad, get in the door, you educate them, and that's going to be the best way to turn them into replacement. Uh, running replacement ads is always easier to race to the bottom. Um, especially on, on furnaces because furnaces are gross profit dollars on them and aren't that big. A lot of times, you know, you have to hump a lot of furnaces a day to, you have to sell a lot of furnaces and sell a lot of them in a day to be able to make the gross profit. Like we talked about the gross profit, you need to hit your overhead. Uh, and oh, knowing your overhead in the wintertime is very important because obviously, like I said, the, the furnaces, the gross profit dollars on furnaces are usually a lot lower than a full system replacement. You might get a lot more furnaces, but that means you might have to install three furnaces a day to hit your overhead. And, you know, sometimes you got to grind your guys out to hit because you have to hit your daily overhead. You can't go negative. You can't lose money that day. You can't get that day back. So uh, I would I would say Dimitri is to actually run tune-up ads, use those tune-up ads, flip them, get those customers educated, get them to want to buy something. It's going to be the best possible way to get replacement furnaces. Perfect. Well, thank you, guys. We're going to wrap up today. Um, how do you sell a dream to a new installer when recruiting? Um, obviously, that's going to be a difficult one. You got to because you got to make you got to sell them on on your sales, right? Like, hey, you know, if I'm, if I'm trying to bring an installer over, the thing they care about the most installers is is their vacation and how much, when they get their vacation, how they get their vacation, and they also care a lot about uh, about how much work they're going to have, right? How much call volume they're going to have. 
so that those are the things I would talk about is like, hey, you know, we're going to grind you out. We're going to make sure you know, we need you. We need you working. We're going to make sure we keep you busy. But we also, like installers, do care about their vacation. They do care about stuff like that. They're going to work their ass off for you. But you got to talk about that kind of stuff. Uh, anyways, I got to wrap up, guys. I got to get my food. I already let my food sit there for an hour. Thank you guys so much for tuning in for this uh, to this call. I hope you guys enjoy this. I hope you guys have enjoyed the Rocket X Society call so far. Um, we're working really hard to try to give you as much knowledge as we can in one hour. Uh, if you guys haven't got a demo of the Blueprint, go to callprofitrocket.com. Get a demo of the Blueprint. It's worth every penny. We've got a bunch of our clients in here on this as well. Uh, it's worth it. Love you guys. Hope you guys have a good rest of your, uh, rest of your year. Happy New Year. Uh, Merry Christmas to everybody. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you guys promote me, obviously I'm trying to get more people in here. So thank you guys. Hope you guys have a good rest of your year. Yeah. <sighs>